Amen. Welcome into the Church of Omaha. If you could gather into your seats, and uh, I'm excited to be here today. Um, excited to be in the house of the Lord. Uh, you could be also. I'll just say, if you could be in prompt right after the uh, the split there, and uh, between first word and worship, um, we got a special thing right at the beginning of service that we'd like to announce. So. If you could turn, I'm going to hang out here today. We're going to visit a little bit in Luke chapter 4, 5, and Luke chapter 17. And this, I did not pick out of the book of Luke today in honor of, I can't say his last name very well, Luke Hameister. I, uh, I normally call him a, a different name, <laughs> but Luke, Luke Heimeister. Um So if you haven't met him yet, he's going to be working with us this summer and evangelizing, so I'd urge you to meet him. Is he in here right now? Or he's in youth downstairs, so we'll get you introduced to him. But I did not come out of the book of Luke in honor of him today, although that would be a good excuse. Um, let's go ahead and we will turn, and we will turn over to the book of Luke chapter 17, and then we'll go to prayer, and then we'll swing back into Luke chapter 4. Um, but Luke chapter 17 Verse, uh, we'll start at verse 11. It says, And it came to pass as he went to Jerusalem that he passed through the midst of Samaria and Galilee. And as he entered into a certain village, there met him ten men that were lepers which stood afar off. And they lifted up their voices and said, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. Have mercy on us. Lord Jesus, speak to us, O God. Change our hearts and our minds and our lives and draw us closer to you. Let we be, God, enlightened and, God, have understanding and understanding that causes us, oh God, to become more like you and be more in your image and to change our world and to change others. In Jesus' name, amen. I'd like to talk to you today about a new cry, a new cry. Um, but before we get back to Luke chapter 17, there's a few verses and a couple passages I wanted to, to look at, both in Luke chapter 4 and in Luke chapter 5. But Luke chapter 4, looking through verses 18 through, through 28, um, we see here in verse 18 that Jesus, he, He's in His ministry, and this is you know kicking right off with the book of Luke. It's gone through uh, the, the story of His birth and... Um, and, and now we're sitting here and Jesus is kicking off his ministry and, and he goes into the temple and he takes up the scripture um, and he reads, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he hath anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He hath sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty them that are bruised, to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. And then he took and he closed the book. He, he closed it up and, and he was done reading. He was done reading. But then he lets them know, this day is this scripture fulfilled in your ears. But the people heard this scripture. They heard this word. It, it went out. Jesus told them, hey, here is what is happening. Here is what is going on, and, and it is happening now. And he declared who he was to the people. But these people were used to him. It was his, his home area. It's where he had grown up. And, and he was a little all too familiar to them. 
They thought they knew who he was. And they said, is this not Joseph's son? Hold on a second. You know, that sometimes happens when you see somebody that you grew up with. They're in your church. Maybe they were your cousin. And God calls them into ministry. Or, uh, um, or maybe it isn't even that, that uh, sophisticated, right? Uh, my wife here, she has a cousin who they're making a movie about. <laughs> As Sal's nephew. So you can learn more about that. But the, uh, I think some of the family is like, well, that's our cousin. <laughs> you know, and some of them are probably like really proud, but you're like, well, we know him. And, and so Taylor, you know what I'm talking about. It's Taylor's cousin too, Angie. Um, but yeah, it's a, you got a movie out there, and yet family might would be like, what? Everybody else watching it's like, man, that's a really great story. That's a good movie. And I'm sure there's a cousin or somebody that says, mm, yeah, we really know him. <laughs> right? And uh, Flaming Hot Cheetos. Maybe you go eat some today. Um, but you have uh, people who are related to, I suppose, a semi-celebrity in your midst. <laughs> um, and, uh, but Jesus here, they're like, wait a second. Isn't he the son of Joseph? And Jesus said, Yea, surely, uh, ye will surely say unto me this proverb, Physician, heal thyself. And whatsoever we have heard done in Capernaum, do also in thy country. You know, they were hearing the stories. And yet, oh, it feels so frustrating when I read this. It was all these years ago. And yet they're like, come do it here. Come, come, can, can you do here what happened over there? And it wasn't so much with faith, but you read it and you get a sense of skepticism. Or, mm-hmm, yeah, sure. And, and what they... Couldn't see, they couldn't see him for who he really was because they were all just a little too familiar. You know, that happens in Christendom, and I don't want to get too far ahead of myself, but sometimes because of tradition, because of how we were raised, because of how a passage in Scripture, yes, you read it a ton of times. It's been preached to you a ton of times, but it doesn't mean it was always fully delved into and sometimes it was not put with other scriptures properly. And so you didn't have quite an understanding that you were supposed to get out of that scripture. I'm not pre talking about preaching something crazy and different and new. I'm just saying sometimes people, they, they glaze over it and they don't spend enough time with it. And it's, it's all too easy to just say, well, this is what I think it means instead of getting to know the culture and the customs and the surrounding and, and, and putting line upon line and precept upon precept and, and looking at the passage before and after. And all of a sudden you go, wait. God's calling me to something here. Example would be pressed down, shaken together, and running over. People like to talk about that with the references to money. Has anybody ever heard that passage with reference to money? Well, go back and study the passage. Because he's talking about you having mercy. You having forgiveness. People will take the passage there about, uh, and I'm kind of getting off the notes just slightly, they take the passage about uh, uh, give to Caesar the things that are Caesar and to God the things that are God's. And, you're like, well, man, I need to pay my taxes. But Jesus was facing a challenge there. If he told them to pay to Caesar, they're like, you support Caesar? And if he said, what are you doing paying taxes? They're like, he's calling for an overthrow. He's not following after Caesar. And so he basically, he asked them for their money. Would, the coin, when you go back and look, the coin that he would have gotten out would have had um, Caesar on there. 
a reference to Caesar. And, and then he's basically inferring, like, what are you doing with dirty money in your pocket? Give to Caesar the things that are Caesar's. You know, like, what would you have it? Or it could be give back to Caesar. But Jesus was never caught in a trap. He always had a way out. But when you read those passages, sometimes people have just taken, and they maybe preached a whole sermon on it. Sometimes I review things and I said, wait, did I get that scripture right when I preached it? So I apologize if in the past or in the future. I don't always get it right. I always get it right. But Jesus here, they're challenging him. And, and he goes on, he says, Verily I say unto you, no prophet is accepted in his own country. And you know, as you see people grow up in this church, or somebody that's sat beside you on a pew, or it may be a spouse, or it may be a child, I want you to go ahead and get God's eyes on and see people for how he sees them because he has given anointings and blessings and callings. And furthermore, I want you to begin to see yourself the way that God sees you because he has purpose in you and he wants to use you. And those addictions and those struggles and those sins that you came to him about and those things that you wrestled with it, and through prayer, God delivered you through his mighty spirit. He brought you out. You have authority over those things. You don't have to be trapped by them. And sometimes um, you'll encounter other people and you'll begin to sense, wait, they're going through this struggle. Why? Because you lived all too much of life with those spirits around you. And now you're encountering them. But God has set you free. And now you can go and you can face those things and you can say, get out of here and that person be loosed in the name of Jesus. You have authorities. You fought those battles. You're not afraid anymore. And if you hadn't gone through those things, you wouldn't be there to help bring deliverance to somebody else. And Jesus has chosen to use you to work in people's lives. I mentioned this to someone yesterday, but the Apostle Paul, Jesus struck him down. He looked up and he said, Who are you, Lord? And the creator of the universe, the one who died on the cross, said, I'm Jesus. Whom you persecute. It's pretty hard, isn't it? <laughs> you just see Jesus. See, he knows the end from the beginning. And, and, and he knows that even like when Stephen died, I got Stephen. And so it's almost like it's a little bit of humor. And Jesus is like, yeah, you're having a hard time, aren't you there, Paul? <laughs> yeah, he called him by his username. But Saul, Saul, you're having a hard time, right? <laughs> a little difficult for you. It's hard to fight against me. But did he tell him about the plan of salvation then? He said, I need you to go see Ananias. And Ananias didn't want him to do the job. But God has chosen to use people to deliver salvation, the salvation message. And so he is using you. So when you try to shirk your responsibility and think I'm no good and I can't share this message and, and why would God use me? And oh man, Jesus, you should just do it yourself. And, and he's like, I called you to do it. I want to speak through you. They need to hear you. And, and people will not get filled with the Holy Ghost. I've seen it time and again until they have heard. Now there's people, I got stories that they were praying by themselves over here. And we could find you stories where somebody was studying the scripture and they were alone someplace. But so many times you'll see someone praying. Jesus is touching them. And then you'll say, hey, Jesus wants to fill you with the spirit. Hey, this is, this is what will happen to you. And they'll start to pray. And just like that, they'll get the Holy Ghost. Jesus wants to use you. 
But he tells him, Verily I say unto you, no prophet is accepted in his own country. And he goes on here, and I'm just going to reference this because we'll hit some of this topic here a little bit. But he tells them, I tell you a truth, and if you know your Old Testament stories, he says, Many widows in Israel in the days of Elias, when the heaven was shut up three years and six months, when great famine was throughout the land, but none of them was Elias sent, save unto the, uh, was the Samaritan city of Sidon, unto a woman that was a widow. And many lepers were in Israel in the time of Elias the prophet, and none of them were cleansed, save Naaman the Syrian. And what Jesus is saying right here is he's saying, wait a second. You know what? There was a lot of people out here, and they were God's people. But it was people outside of Israel that got touched, that got food, that got healed. It was one from Syria. It was, it was a woman over here. And, and Jesus, or God sent the prophet to those locations. Why? Because a prophet in his own country wasn't recognized. And we have got to be so careful that you do not get so familiar with church that when God wants to come along and do a work in your life, you say, oh no, that can't happen to me. What, what do you mean? What are you talking about here? You would use me? You, healings are for other people. Or, or some of you maybe have never even experienced that in your life and you think that's for 2,000 years ago. Jesus' healings, His physical healings are for you today. And greater than that, His healing of your sin is for you today. And, and even more importantly, I'd like to emphasize, you will know that He's forgiven you and that He's filled you with His Spirit. You don't have to wonder if maybe you had an experience, but your experience will be just like the experience at the day of Pentecost. You will speak in a new language. You will be changed by Him. Oh, you got to understand. you got to get a hold of this. But if you refuse to believe because you're all too familiar, then He can't just come in and minister and touch you. And on that topic, you flip over to Luke chapter 5. At the end here, verse 36... Jesus is telling a parable. And he talks here, he says, No man putteth a piece, of a, a piece of a new garment upon an old, if otherwise then both the new are rent, and the piece that was taken out of the new agree not with the old. And no man putteth new wine into old bottles, else the new wine will burst the bottles and be spilt, and the bottles will perish. But new wine must be put into new bottles, and both are preserved. No man also having drunk Old wine straightway desireth new, for he saith, the old is better. Now Jesus was bringing to them some examples that they would understand pretty easily, so I don't know if any of you like to sew, if you're into clothing or not, but what Jesus was showing here is if you have an old garment, it's been used, it's been stretched, it's been worked in, and then you have a hole, and you're like, wait, I'm going to stitch in something here, we're going to Put in a nice little square patch right in here. And then you go to wash the old and you got the new and you do the work. Well, that new piece of cloth is going to react differently. 
It's going to change differently. And so it will, what, the way it looked when you first stitched it on, now after, after it goes through some wear and some washings and stuff, it's now going to stretch differently than the rest of the cloth. And you're going to be like, wait a second, this, something's not right here. It's, it doesn't all look quite right. And, and, and this isn't going together. And it, this example comes out with these wine bottles. An old wine bottle, once you, you took that wine skin and you filled it up with wine, there was stretch still left in it, a new wine skin. And so when they put wine in there, wine would actually would naturally ferment. And, and so while it didn't ferment like we have things happen today because of our processes that people are able to put in and, and get a lot more alcohol in their wine, they would still begin to ferment with time and that gases would cause that, that bottle to stretch. And so the bottle would stretch as the wine kind of grew inside there as the, the fermentation went on. And, and it all worked out just fine. But if you then took that bottle that was now old and had been stretched and everything, and, and you said, hey, this is empty, let me put some new wine in it. That new wine hadn't fermented yet. Brand new, right out, right? And, and its flavor isn't going to be like you would have expected for old wine. But somebody could fill up that bottle, and then they would let it go ahead and ferment, and it would begin to expand. And wait a second. That bottle was already expanded. And you filled it to the top. And now this new wine wants to expand. And it bursts the bottle. And you've lost the bottle and you've lost the wine. And I'm sure a smart person would say, well, let's just fill it half full. That's Jesus has given an example here. An understanding. And he says, hey, you take new wine and put it in new bottles. And, and then he says, people who have drank the old wine won't want to drink the new because they say the old wine is better. And I would ask you, how do they know? And you say, because I've experienced before. I had an experience over here and I had one over there. But Jesus is showing up on the scene. And just like He went into His home country, and He shows up on the scene and He says, I'm bringing you something new. Things are changing around here. And everybody who had experienced religion the old way are like, oh no, I've tasted religion. I've grown up with this over here. You're not going to take me into some new path, Jesus, because what I got has got to be better than what you're offering. And they never would try out Jesus. And throughout Christendom and in Christianity here, you see people, they, they will read the Word and something will bother them a little bit. And they'll say, well, maybe it's there. But you know what? Their spouse died. And they're like, wait a second. My spouse went to heaven and, 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 he went, and this is how it was. And, and, and so this is, and I know we had the funeral and this is the way it was. And now you're asking me to, to, to believe a little something different here? And they don't want to hear it because they're loved ones. Or, or what, what about the generations before me? Or, or what about how, how I was taught all these years? And, and th this thing is, but I see it on the page, but oh, I don't want to hear anymore. Oh, please do not disregard the riches of the Word of God and stick with what your old thoughts are. He wants to use you and change your life. He wants to use you. No man having drunk old wine straightway desireth the new, for he saith the old is better. The old is better. You know, you're going into a world and you bring a gospel that is different and it is new. 
And I know that it's been 2,000 years old, but it is still new to everybody that you encounter. If they have not been filled with the Holy Ghost, but they grew up with a version of Christianity, this is new to them. If they did not grow up in church at all, this is new to them. People have been exposed to drugs and alcohol and, and abuse and, and all sorts of promiscuous lifestyles. This is new to them. They don't understand why you don't party the same way that they party. They don't understand why you don't talk the same way that they talk. And some of you have tried to pick up their language. You need to stop that. They don't want you to be the same as them. Some, some of you might have been made fun of. But don't change your lifestyle because they will not respect you because you changed. And even if they did respect you, you have given up Jesus Christ. Do not walk out on living for Jesus and living according to the Scripture. Don't do it. It's not worth it. They need what you've got. They need to experience new wine. And they need to be made new by Jesus Christ. Don't be afraid to be different. And I'm not a person who says to be different for different sake. But this world will never be like you. And if the church is doing its job, it will never fully look like the world. We may shop at the same stores. I may buy a suit that somebody else buys. But there are clothes in those stores I will not wear. Oh, I may watch some things, but there's certain movies that I will not watch. Oh, I may get frustrated and angry, but there's certain words that are not going to come out of my mouth. And, and, and there, when I go through situations with you, you might be like, why are you apologizing to that person? Because that's the way that Jesus would do it. And so we need to be like Him. We have to capture our thoughts. We have to put them in subjection to the Lord Jesus Christ. We need to bring them into obedience. You are different. You are different. You cannot fit this world's ideologies. It's politics, and I know I say this a lot across this pulpit, but even yesterday I was visiting with a gentleman, and we were talking about the, the wide open fields of Nebraska. There's a lot of space in Nebraska. Have any of you ever driven across Nebraska? Were any of you those tire tracks that went off the road into the grass as you fell asleep behind the... I hope not. You'll see that. You go across South Dakota and Nebraska and Kansas. Whoa, they're not mountains. That's what I'm telling you. They're not. Keep driving. You'll get to the mountains. Nebraska has a lot of wide open spaces. And yet we have had the privilege to see people from all over the world come to Nebraska. And you don't have to be a missionary that travels to reach the world. God has blessed us with space. Space for people to come. And yet that can go against politics. Somebody says, well, what about my border? You know, I leave that up to governments to figure out the ins and outs. I understand they have to deal with policies. But one administration does it this way. 
and another one does it that way. But you do Jesus, and you do the kingdom of God, and you reach souls, and you love them. And what you post out here might go ahead and turn a soul away that Jesus said, what are you doing? I put them in your neighborhood. I put them in your lap. I made them your friend. And, and, and now you got tied up based off of whatever past experience. And, and now I'm not talking border politics. I'm talking everything out there. People have come through hurt and abuse and anguish, and they have a world that's teaching them twisted concepts that don't match up with Jesus. But instead of you being angry with them, you need to be different. You need to be real. And you can disagree, but you can love. And they can let them see your love, not your politics. And then they'll say, wait a second, you're so kind to me. You love me. And you're at peace. Let me know what you got. And somebody is going to say to you, what's so different about you? You have to tell me. Be real, be different, and see what happens. Be different. Because right now, hear me, the new is better than the old. And you know, when you look in the Old Testament and you look at Ezra and Nehemiah and when they built the temple and, and when they worked in that city and, and they, there was people when they saw the new temple, they wept. Why did they weep? Not because they had a place and they said, man, we finally have church again. But they're like, if you only knew the old one. If you only knew what the old one was like. Oh, it's so much better. Oh, but when Jesus, having the Holy Ghost is way better than what church used to be like. Being filled with the Spirit of Jesus Christ and having Him with you every day is better than having some beautiful edifice and bright paintings and echoey halls. I would rather have Jesus in my home and not have much money in this world than to be rich and to have the grandest of places and not have the joy that He brings. Oh, money won't satisfy you. Relationships alone, they will not meet your need. But Jesus will be with you when you're lonely. And some of you have been lonely. And you need to go ahead and try Jesus again. Because he will carry you. He knows what loneliness is like. He knows what it's like. So as we go on down through here, and we talk about being different. And the old and the new. I think that fits very well in with Luke chapter 17. And in Luke chapter 17, Jesus here is, is on his journey back to Jerusalem. In verse 12, it says, As he entered into a certain village, there were, met him ten men that were lepers, which stood afar off. Now, you know, a leper, in this group of lepers, you don't get to know this part of it until you get a little further into the verses. Nine of them were Jews, one of them was a Samaritan. Jews didn't mix with Samaritans. But when you get low enough and desperate enough, you start to care less and less about the differences between you and other people. And when you're hungry, at some point, food is food. You know, I say that. I haven't made my kids hungry enough. <laughs> I am not going to do that, and I'm not suggesting you do that either. That's abuse. Do not do that. But sometimes I would like to try. <laughs> not really, not really. Please, I'm being recorded. <laughs> Set the record straight. I do, do not abuse my children. I feed them. And uh, I'm not going to try <laughs> to see how hungry I can make them. 
But when you get hungry enough, you'll eat things. When you're desperate enough, you'll get that job. You might have felt overqualified to work at that gas station. You're like, you know what, I'm 40 years old now. And I thought I shouldn't work there anymore. You know what, if you want to pay the bills, you're like, let me take the garbage out of McDonald's. And someone would say, well, isn't that for the teenagers? You're like, that job is for me. I had a job once, and, and I was in college. When you're in college, you don't really, a lot of us don't have money. And the lady said, hey, Lucas, the job I need you to do today. I'm like, yeah. She goes, all those people out there, they smoke those cigarettes and throw them on the ground. You get to go pick them up. That is the, I would, that was the worst job I've ever done. I have detasseled corn. I've worked with really gross stuff. I've gone up tunnels. I've been in a lot of smelly places. I think that job bothered me the most. I did not like that. But you know what? I wanted to make a paycheck. And I've done a lot of things out there and gotten pretty dirty in life. And um, Why? Because people, when they get desperate and they want something bad enough, They'll do it. And so they have these, these Samaritans here, and these, the Samaritan and these Jews, and, and they're lepers. And we talked to you a little bit about leprosy even, even last week, but, but they were outcast, and they weren't supposed to mix, and they had certain clothing on them that identified who they were. But not only that, when they would see you at a distance, you know what they did when they saw you at a distance? Hey, man, great to see you! Oh, I missed you! Could you spare me a dime? Is that how that worked? <laughs> the con is smiling back there because that's not how it worked at all. They had a job to do and they were supposed to do it well. And when you came walking by and at a distance, they were like, respectfully, sir, I'm trash, I'm dirty, I'm unclean. Look at me, terrible person over here. Stay away from me. Look at all my problems. Look at me, I'm a leper. Man. And I talked to you last week about how we put our nice clothes on and we talked about our Sunday best and putting it on and covering everything up and, and not when that exposed. But you know what? Sometimes in life, we actually do the opposite. And we're out there and we're just too unclean to be other people's friends. And we're just too dirty in life that, that oh no, the church can't have me. Oh no, I'm just too dirty. And we even, sometimes you, you maybe have heard people who brought their problems, but their problems were such that they would not change. It was almost like this is who I am. And they, they, their problems block them out of life and they refuse to accept and they hold everybody at a distance. Has, has anybody ever seen that happen? I've seen that. You don't need to do that because we have hope for you today. And you can let those things go. That's why when Jesus visited the man by the pool and wanted to know, hey, do you, do you want to be healed? You've been here a long time. And I'm going to take you out of your problems. This is what you've come to know life as. But it doesn't have to be this way. Will you be willing to come out of a problem? And so they were to cry out. And they were desperate. They were desperate and they were at the bottom of the totem pole. They were outcasts. And yet their voices lifted up and what should have been a cry that said, Stay away from me. And some of you want to do that with Jesus. And you want to say, Stay away from me. But that is a voice from hell. 
It's a voice that the devil would like you to say. Look at the man of Gadarene that was filled with all those spirits. When that man personally was desperate to see Jesus, he had to fight against every voice that cried out, that told Jesus to stay away. And all the devils of hell wanted to cry out and say, stay away, stay away. But that man had to push past the voices and just go ahead and put it in action. And somebody today in this church service needs to go ahead and climb towards an altar and go push past all the voices. And they need to press into God today. You need to press into Him and push past those cries of stay away. Today's title is a new cry. We talked about the, the wine vessels. And people would like the old wine and never even experience the new. And we have these guys here that are supposed to, in their situation, cry out unclean. Those are old cries. Old cries that have been defined by society, defined by traditional Christendom. It's the way you've done business, but you don't have to do it that way anymore. And the Bible says in verse 13, And they lifted up their voices and said, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. Have mercy on us. Something in their desperation, they looked at Him. Oh, and you would say, you didn't show me enough respect because respect meant that you should have stayed away from me. And respect for a great teacher and master and leader such as Jesus, you should stay away from Him. But they called Him Master. They recognized Him for who He was. They were outcasts and He's the Master. Oh, sometimes, and we see it in the Bible, we see people that had Jesus into their homes, and, and, and they would have Him in, but they would not show Him the same respect. Jesus once said, when a lady washed His feet, He's like, hey, wait a second. You didn't offer me water. You didn't, you didn't put oil for my head. But she's come in, and she's washed my feet, and she's cried over me. And yet you... You, you turned me away. So these guys, they both saw him for who he was. And then they decided they didn't care about the norms. And they began to cry out for Jesus. But they didn't say stay away. They said have mercy on us. You know, they didn't even ask Jesus to heal them. Whatever you got, Jesus... That's what, whatever you think is best for me. I'm just asking for your mercy. You know what? I don't have anything. So whatever it is, Jesus, mercy. Mercy. Just, can we have some mercy? And Jesus turned to them. And he said when he saw them, and this is Jesus. He previously, he touched the lepers. But what does he say to him? Go show yourself unto the priests. Why? Jesus was demonstrating that his power can work through anything, including distance. And, and it didn't matter if he came up and touched you physically. It doesn't matter. You say, well, I've never seen Jesus in person. A word from God is all you need. And Jesus said, go show yourself to the priests. He didn't even say, you're healed. 
but it's pretty understood. Why would they go to the priest? Well, one, the priest could inspect him and see, is everything good? Are you all right? Is everything good? Is it all cleansed? But that's where testimony was given. Because the priest could then stand there and say, look what God did. Oh, this person was a leper all these years, but I've inspected them against the Word. And, and what they, happened to them, it, 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 it happened. They're changed. They're different. And here he tells them to show themselves to the priests. There's ten of them. There's going to be a, a news throughout the land. There's multiple priests that got to do this inspection. This is a large job. Can you think of what that news would be like and what that testimony would be like? When Jesus would heal a leper and send him to the priest, and now somebody says, you know what, we had ten lepers come in the other. Ten lepers came in here. Never seen anything like that in my life. I wonder what's going on. They said some man sent them here. They said he cried out. They cried out to him. It's that Jesus. It'd be a testimony. It'd be, be a great testimony. And they headed off on their journey. And the action of going. Well, and... And it came to pass as they went, they were cleansed. Oh, I could preach that to somebody today, and we could spend a little time on it, except it's 11.06 and we don't even have that time. But, uh, but you can take that journey, and as you hear the Word of God, and you step out, and you begin to make that walk, and you say, okay, I'm done with the old, I'm going to head to the new, and as you make that walk, and you're going to take steps towards Jesus, He's going to change your life. He's going to change your life. But many of you, when you've heard this passage, you see this last one. It says, And one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back and with a loud voice glorified God and fell down on his face at his feet, giving him thanks. And he was a Samaritan. And Jesus answering said, We're not ten cleansed, but where are the other nine? Where are they at? You know where they were? They were headed back to the traditional. They were headed back even where Jesus sent them. But that Samaritan understood, just like the lady at the well, the other Samaritan, that the temple has changed here. And the priest has changed here. And I know that I just encountered God. And He is our high priest. And in Jesus dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. And He is the temple where heaven meets earth. And I don't have to go into a building someplace. But I just encounter Jesus. Oh, and you need to recognize that Jesus has stepped in your midst. And you need to fall down at His feet. And you need to give Him worship. Can we go ahead and just give Him a hand wave? Give Him a clap. Lift up your voices. Oh, this Samaritan, something got a hold of him. I never even went to your old temple anyways. And I know me and these Jewish leopards, we hung together and it was okay. But I just got a recognition. You know what? I never could come down here, but you came to me. And there's something different about you. Oh God, you changed my life. And I'm going to thank you. And I'm going to worship you. And you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to be the one that brings glory on the street. I'm going to bring the one that tells about the testimony of His greatness and His goodness. And that is a new cry. Oh, it's a cry that says, have mercy on me. 
don't stay away. It's a cry that says, that says, hey, you know what? I'm willing to change. I'm willing to be different. I'm willing to get out there. I don't care what people think. I don't care how they look at me. I'm willing to be different. Go ahead and stand to your feet. A new cry. Because when you get desperate enough, you don't care what old Christianity looked like or the way the world told you that fun was. When you get desperate enough, you will be willing to be different and to stand out. And as we close our eyes, I just want to remind you of what the men on Pentecost said. They said, what must we do to be saved? Because when they heard the the message that Peter preached, something gripped their hearts. And and I just want you to say in your heart today, we're going to be coming into worship here in, in, in a few minutes. And I want you to come with a new cry that doesn't care about what other people say, what the past says. Lord Jesus, we lift our hearts, we lift our lives, and we lift our voices to you. Touch us, O God. Change us. We're coming after you, God, because you came after us. Lord, we don't want the old wine. We want the new wine. We don't care about the old cry that says, leave me alone. We're asking you to have mercy and to change. And we're approaching you. Oh God, what do we need to do to be saved? I'm coming after you. Come back to the second half to our worship with a new cry in Jesus' name. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah.